Hi, and welcome to Let's Listen with Kieran McBreen. I'm here with Kieran again. How are you today, Kieran? I'm great, Andrew. Thank you. Good, 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 good. Now, on today's show, we've got Michael Waring, and this is a really, it's a story that I think will resonate with lots of people that he was different when he was younger and he suffered from bullying and exclusion. And his story is very difficult to listen to in places, but then his transformation and the way he decided he was going to change his life from some really low point. It's a fascinating listen, isn't it? It is, Andrew. And, and as many, many interviews we've had over the last number of weeks, you know, the transformation takes place. And for Michael, it was self-discovery. You know, yes, he went into rehab. You know, yes, he, he read books, self-help books, but, but he wanted it. He wanted it. He figured out who he didn't want to be and he wanted more. And he just went and he did it. And one of the strategies that Michael did is he wrote a book. And talking about people who wrote a book, we had the launch of uh, Listen by Kieran McBreen last Friday night, Kieran. We sure did. And um, yeah, it was a pleasure to have you there by my side, Andrew. Um, it was it was wonderful. It was a great experience. And I was just so happy to see so many people who supported me along the way at the event. And, um, and more importantly, my, my wife and my children who had to listen literally listen to me talk about it for two years so i'm very excited you know the key here is is that it helps many people um, students will resonate with the stories parents I, I i don't like to use the word shock treatment but you know there are shockers in there parents will read it and think wow is my child feeling this way you know so it's um yeah, it's, a, it's very powerful. As you know, I'm extremely passionate about it and I really, really hope that it helps some people out there. And as your co-host on this show, I was legally obliged to uh, read it and I can say that it is uh, a fascinating read and even as a parent of younger children, some of the lessons in there are absolutely fantastic. Kieran, where can we buy it? You can get it on Amazon and Ingram Spark and in here in Dubai, you can get a hardback copy directly from me. So that is Listen by Kira Mabreen, which you can get in all good bookshops and Amazon as well. And this is Michael Waring. Michael, thanks so much for coming today. Tell me, what is your big why? What brings you here to us today? Oh, thanks for having me, Kieran. Um, it's a great privilege and honour to be here. I just think it's nice to talk, isn't it? And to share our stories and... Yeah, I really love what you do. And I thought it was a great opportunity to connect with each other and share a bit more of my story. Your story, this sounds exciting. So <laughs> I suppose the big question is, what is your story, Michael? My story? Okay. <laughs> so growing up, I was treated different. I was bullied. And at a very young age, I, I craved acceptance from my peers, but I felt rejected and abandoned. And I carried these feelings with me throughout my childhood and into adulthood. And yeah, in many ways, I, I abandoned myself in order to belong to everybody else. So I was, I guess, shaping myself to fit different people's needs and people pleasing, comparing my life to other people's. And yeah, it just really took over. And then when I turned 18, I was going out on the weekends, you know, doing anything in order to be seen, settled for a job I didn't really want because I was following other people's society's idea of success is what I would say, rather than my own idea of success, because I was living in fear of going on my own 
journey and my own path in life, if that makes sense. And yeah, I ended up drinking quite heavily. And yeah, my old life just stopped working during the lockdown in the pandemic that we had here in the UK, uh, the lockdown. I I was drinking quite heavily to deal with how I was feeling and my emotions. And I ended up in rehab, basically. Um, I remember in that moment just completely feeling like I either allow myself to die in this state because I felt like life was no longer worth living or I, you know, bet on myself and change my life and my whole life had to change. So I went in there, I listened to everything I was told, I absorbed it all and I put my life back together. But it meant not just putting down the drink, it meant, you know, reviewing every aspect of my life and making serious changes, you know, in my friendships, in my work, everything. And it's kind of inspired everything that I do today in my own business. So I love where I'm at now, but it took a lot of work to get there, you know. Well done, Michael. That's um, a fantastic transformation. Michael, we're going to go back a bit to, to the challenging times. What was the lowest point? The lowest point in my life was that moment where I hit rock bottom, albeit I now see it as the greatest gift and blessing to have ever graced my life. But in that moment, I just knew something came over me in that moment where I just thought, this is my doing. This is my doing. Every decision I'd made in all, in, throughout my life, albeit I, I was before that moment, I'd been blaming everyone else. It was everyone else's fault. I knew in that moment that I was accountable for it. But the beautiful thing about that is I also knew that what I'd done, I could also undo, knock down and rebuild. And that's exactly what I did. So, yeah, the opposite of fear is faith at the end of the day. So, <laughs> yeah, I just took a risk really off the back of nothing. And the result is I'm happy now. Wonderful. Great to hear, Michael. Great to hear. But just delving a bit deeper into this, what was your normal daily routine when you were not in a good place? I was on my phone a lot on social media, looking at other people. I wasn't very motivated to do anything other than, you know, wallowing my own self-pity, if I'm honest. So I was drinking a lot, just anything to distract from how I felt. I didn't feel comfortable in my own company. So I was always trying to arrange to be out with people and doing things. And I would put out this perfect life if there is such a thing. <laughs> And it couldn't have been further from the truth, but that gave me this instant gratification and approval I needed, which served as a distraction from how I really felt on the inside, which was completely broken. Thank you, Michael. Michael, as you know, I do lots of work with teenagers and you mentioned that your school days, you were, you were being bullied a lot. Can you tell me more about that? At school, I don't know. I just knew I was different. I was always the boy who sat in the corner of the playground and I'd be reading, you know, the lyrics of different CDs because we used to have CDs back in them days. And I'd be learning the words because I loved music. And I think because of that, I was seen as different. And yeah, the bullying started. I used to get called pop star and all of this stuff, you know. And it, whenever I used to sing, I would get bullied for it. And um, although it was the only thing that made me feel truly alive at that age, you know, I felt it really at that time saved my life in many ways. It gave me a reason to continue. I felt like an outsider looking in. I always felt like an outsider looking in. And I abandoned myself to belong to everybody else, as I said earlier, in that I, because I couldn't find love within me for myself at that time, I started looking for it outwardly, 
that actually allowed my mental health to deteriorate even more over the years. I wouldn't say I wasted a long, a long period of my life, but because I was go, always making decisions that I felt other people would approve of, I never truly spent about 10, 15 years of my life making decisions that felt true to who I was. So I was building a life based on a lie, which meant that I was contributing to my own misery as a result of that. Thank you, Michael. And just going back to the bullying, can you tell us an example of, of the kind of stuff that happened? Yeah, of course I can. Well, it was verbal and it was physical. So there were occasions where, I don't know, kids form little gangs, don't they, in groups, and they'd just pick on me, take the mick out of how I spoke. One time there was a girl and her brother started uh, chasing me up the corridor and was punching me in the face. Just lots of different things like that happened. And yeah, it, it really scared me. There were times where I was fearful to even leave the house and on the school bus I'd get egged and flowered and all of these kinds of things. And it was just, yeah, it was horrible. So my mum ended up taking me into school and I actually found when I was younger, the teachers tried to help as best they could, but I was then called a grass for, for, for sharing it with them, you know? So that further amplified the, the bullying, if that makes sense. So it was just a vicious cycle for me. Well, sorry to hear, and it's, um, it's not nice. It's not nice for anyone to have to go through this. And, and teenage life is hard and school is hard. And, um, you know, if you had to look back now, if you were talking to the young Michael, the 14, 15, 16 year old Michael, what would you be saying to him? I would be telling him now that, oh, a few things. <laughs> so the first thing I'd be saying is that some people aren't for us and I'm not for everyone. So actually, you know, for me, it's almost this way of being told by something out there that there is, um, there is a lesson in that, in that just be yourself almost, you know, learn to love yourself. And I truly do believe that the secret to a happy, purposeful and fulfilling life is in the relationship you have with yourself because it directly impacts every other aspect of your life, your relationships, your finances, your work, everything. If you're feeling fearful about something, normally that's a sign that you've got to move into it and face it. And as a child, I made a lot of decisions. And as an adult, you know, before my rock bottom moment, I made a lot of decisions to avoid fear altogether. And actually, it's a very natural feeling that we all have anxiety, this kind of stuff. And it's normally because there's something there that needs to be looked at and understood. And the only way out is in, you know. Wonderful, Michael, and, and really well put. And before we, we go on to your transformation, I'm very intrigued to find out what songs were you singing at school? <laughs> a bit of everything, really. <laughs> bit of Whitney, bit of George Michael, bit of Mariah. I loved S Clubs, you know, <laughs> and Britney Spears. Yeah, a bit of very everything. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I'm not going to ask you to sing tonight, but um, what I am going to ask you is, what changed? What did you do? Well, it happened when I had that, that rock bottom moment, to be honest with you, and I went to rehab. And like I said, I didn't realise that I would just, I thought I would just put down the drink for a month or two months and everything would be fine. 
But I then, because I'd started doing all the inner work to learn who I was, what I wanted, and I do believe that there's something out there watching over me, you know, and I really do. And that gives me faith. And I think um, with faith comes hope, you know, and that's what I was missing for a long time. So I did the inner work to get to know myself, who I really was, what I wanted. And as a result of that, I started to value my peace because that's what I started to find. And I started to find myself, you know, going to nightclubs or bars, whatever, and with friends. And I felt really uncomfortable in that it was drama and it was toxic. And I felt like I needed to step out of that, you know, and so I did. And a lot of the people that were in my life at that time were in exactly the same place as me because like attracts like. And they, there was no issue. They just slipped away from me a natural process because as you do the work you raise your own vibration and as a result you know we're all on different paths and if you don't honor your own journey oh sorry if you don't honor other people's journey you're not honoring your own so acceptance if i'm honest acceptance and surrender thank you michael and, and you mentioned rehab can you are you comfortable to talk about this and tell us what kind of things you do in rehab First of all, it was acknowledging that I was powerless. <laughs> so it's 12-step rehab over alcohol, which I was. But then I slowly over time realised that I'm powerless over everything <laughs> but myself, which actually is quite a relief because what a, what a responsibility it is to try and control everything around you in order to, to be accepted and liked and approved of. Actually, if I like me, then I'm okay with you. And then it was developing this understanding of something bigger than me being out there. You know, it could be the universe. It could be well anything you want, really. And that that's what I use now. If I'm going through any challenge in life, you know, big or small, whether it's with my own work or whether it's with a person I'm trying to support, you know, in my family or my friendship circle that I have now, I'll just have faith that good things will happen you know and I always look at my part to play in things because we all have the same character defects if you like and understanding which ones are contributing to how I feel I can then address them you know so I, I just I always try to accept people as they are now and um, look at my part in things and what what I'm allowing for and whether I can change it or not and if I can't I try to accept it imperfectly because I'm human. So it's also kindness, compassion. And what happened after that? Well, when I left rehab, <laughs> I was terrified. I actually cried my eyes out. And I cried a lot in rehab too, to be honest with you, because it's very emotional. You know, you get in group therapy, you form such close friendships. And I kept in touch with a lot of the people I was there with. And I've got some beautiful friendships in them today, you know, so I'm very grateful for that because we all helped each other move through but I mean I was working full-time in management and I realized the job was not for me and actually that was also contributing to the unmanageability in my life so I quit my job I saved a bit of money first and then I quit my job I um, retrained in psychotherapy now but I'm also a qualified coach and what triggered the interest in all of that really was my own journey and my own experience with doing the inner work and working on myself and 
yeah, ultimately I see its value because I'm the happiest and most at peace that I've ever felt with myself. And like I said, I still have problems. My life is not perfect, but acceptance is the answer to all my problems. But to gain acceptance, I have to raise my level of self-awareness, you know. So, yeah, it's it's had its ups and downs, I'm not going to lie, but I've thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoy life today. And... Yeah, I feel like I'm useful to other people in a way that I just wasn't before, you know. That's exactly what I was just about to ask. You know, you say you're happy now. And what is it that's making you happy? I think for me, it's one, the relationship I have with myself in, uh, you know, I, I'm, compl- I'm completely comfortable with who I am and the skin I'm in. I think second of all, it's that I've now got a really lovely support network around me who are all very driven, very motivated, very inspiring, and they support me as much as I support them, you know? And I think as well, it's, I've found my passion. I found my real passion. So I don't regret anything that's happened in my past because it had to happen to bring me to where I am today. You know, my past is the key to my future, not the lock. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, I, I think for me, it's also, using my experience in the way I am today to help other people, you know, for, for free in, in, some, on, in some ways as well, you know, if I'm talking to a friend and things like that, and as I am today, because I believe, I believe as well our stories are meant to be told. This is one of my favourites. Our stories are meant to be told. They're not meant to be left on the shelf. When you share your story as a survivor, it offers hope to someone else who may still be in the same storm that you were in and with that hope comes the faith that they too can pull through. And I think that that is so important, you know, being vulnerable in our truths and being able to share it. Nicely put, Michael. And, and for those out there who maybe, you know, don't have the resources to go to rehab or, or don't have the confidence to maybe speak out, you know, what, what would you like to say to these people? I think what I'd say to these people is where there is life, there is hope. We're all a unique and invaluable gift in this world, and we all have something that is uniquely ours to offer into it. And sometimes it just means doing a bit of soul searching to find out what that is. Some of your best motivation is born out of moments you wouldn't wish on anyone. That's my experience. And if you're struggling with anything in life, you don't necessarily need to go to rehab. I just did that because I I had no idea. I didn't realise that podcasts like this exist as well, where people talk so openly like this. And just do do some research and speak to friends as well and people around you and reach out to, to mentors, coaches, therapists and things like that. And read read some self-help books as well because they've really been helpful to me as well. Wonderful, Michael. And was there any daily routines that you took up that had a positive impact on you? For me, studying really helped. I also uh, wrote a book and I wrote that purely as a means of therapy. But that really helped me. That's free therapy because you get to know yourself and what you've been through and how that's affected you. So that really helped as well. And I think just going running, I love running and just being kind and compassionate to myself affirmations and gratitude lists are amazing and I never believed in any of it but I thought give yourself a chance do it 30 days see how you feel and I felt so much better so 
They are, and they're so easily done. And I agree with you, you know, until you do it yourself, you don't see the power of it. And it's so mm-hmm. common when I talk to people about it, you know, on, on this podcast, for example, everybody feels it's a kind of a wishy-washy thing until they do it. You know, yeah. for me, anytime I'm under pressure, if I just spend five minutes doing some some breathing, I feel far better after it. You know, so mm-hmm. again, it's that case of try it and do it and see if it works for you. And if it doesn't work for you, try something else, you know? Yeah. Michael, your book, tell me about this book. Basically, it's my life story. I called it Finding Freedom and I wrote it as soon as I got out of rehab because at that point I had made a decision to quit my job. I didn't really know what direction I was taking my life in. I just knew it had to change. And I thought, right, how do I make sense of what's happened to me (laughs) and where I am today? So I just started writing and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I got to 80,000 words and I couldn't believe it. But it was just like this weight had come off my shoulders, you know, and I wrote it in about two and a half months because I dedicated every single day to it. You know, I'm not saying to anyone do it every day, but I had the time because I was not I was off work and. I was just trying to find who I was, you know, and I thought no better way than to just go through everything, document it and write up about it. So, yeah, it's just a beautiful process of self-discovery. So I'd highly recommend it to anyone who who is, you know, on a journey or struggling right now. Just turn inward and write down how you're feeling because it's it's amazing, you know, or even journaling what's going on for you right now. I think it's it's brilliant. Wonderful, Michael. And, and where can people get the book? Oh, I've not published it or anything like that. <laughs> I, um, I've i kept it for myself for now. In that, Like I said, when I first started writing it, it was purely for, for my own benefit to work through, you know. It's obviously part of your journey and, you know, the self-realisation and the self-study. You know, it sounds as if you coached yourself and you worked very hard on yourself you know, and um, and well done to you, Michael. Well done. It's credit to you. Um, what next for you? Yeah, I think for me, what's next is to well continue doing the work on myself because I think it's really important for me as a coach to continue doing the work on myself if I'm advocating it to others, you know, and I see the value in it. I think as well to continue sharing my message because it's something that I'm passionate about. And as I said, I believe our stories offer hope to others that are still going through a struggle themselves. And beyond that, to to continue um, working on my business because ultimately at some point I'd like to take it to the next level. And I think just as well, continue to move into fear and have faith that good things are coming um, and that in every situation that life throws at me, there's always a lesson to be found in it. So, yeah, that's it for me. (laughs) Lovely put, Michael. And I've got no doubt that you'll be a success to drive. You have the passion you have for what you're doing. You know, well done to you. Michael, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram. So it's at Michael C. Waring. Or you can visit my website, www.michaelcwearing.com. Thank you, Michael, so much for giving us your time tonight. Thank you for opening up and and sharing strategies that work for you. I've got no doubt it will help our listeners. So, Michael, thank you so much. Thank you, Kieran. It's been great to spend this time with you. Thank you for asking me. So, Kieran, that was Michael Waring. And uh, just another incredibly powerful story. It's, you know, we've been doing this for a few weeks now, and 
some of the challenges people have had in their life and then how they respond to that and how they turn their life around. It's, it's awe inspiring, isn't it? It's, it really is inspiring. You know, Michael went through lots of self discoveries, you know, he like, like many conversations we've had, he, he soon realized what he didn't want in his life, who he didn't want to be. And he did something about it. Um, which wasn't easy. You know, he went into rehab. He obviously learned lots of strategies, um, but he did lots himself. You know, as he said, he wrote he wrote a book, 80,000 words, which is massive. But writing was one of his strategies. Affirmations was a strategy. You know, he did lots of things that um, that he did off his own back, you know, so well done to him. Yeah, and just the bravery that it must take to do that, from a position of, you know, where he was, you know, he said himself that he was living a life that wasn't his to, to take that step and go, no, I'm going to make a positive change and continue to make that positive change. It, it really was just great. Wasn't it? It was. And if I take the conversation back to his school days, um, he clearly had a tough time at school. Mm. You know, he, he said he was different. He said he was treated different. And, and I see this, I see this at school and it's heartbreaking. It really, really is. And as you know, I'm very passionate about this because it doesn't have to be like this. You know, we got to be celebrating diversity. We got to be celebrating people who are being unique and authentic and encourage young people to be who they want to be, not who society needs them to be. I was going to ask that question because you've obviously written Let's Listen or Listen, and you deal with challenges that teenagers face. So if you were his uh, father or mother, what would you be saying to a teenager at school who was having the challenges that Michael had? That's a tough question, Andrew. Um, and each case is is quite personal to the particular child. However, what we do need to do is we need to encourage expression. We need to get students to talk up, talk out, and and tell how they are feeling. You know, not to hold anything in. We also need students to to know who they can trust, know who they can speak to. This idea of, of students sitting in the classroom, sitting in their bedroom even, you know, in fear, in pain, it doesn't have to be like this. And we all have to do something about it to make sure that there's not nobody out there that we know who's suffering this. Um, so to answer your question, it's creating a safe place to talk. As I seem to say every week, people don't know there's a problem until they're told there's a problem. Many people out there will help. They just need to know what's wrong. Mm. And if we create an environment that somebody can say, I'm not in a good place, then many people will want to help. And as I always say, those who don't want to help, we don't want them anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's really good advice. And you just, you almost worry for teenagers nowadays in his situation. Because I suppose when he was younger, at least when he got home, he could close the door, you know, and... Hopefully his mom, his dad, his his loved ones, they looked out for him and helped him. But now with social media, it, it never, you know, there's no way of blocking that out anymore unless you really do create that that safe space at home where you can say, mom, dad, there is a problem here and I need to talk about it. And that starts like my daughter is six. It starts from that age, you know, that there's never a thing that you can't come and talk about. Absolutely, absolutely. And with social media and the pressures associated with social media, there's no hiding place. There really is no hiding place. And we need to be very careful, you know, what we're encouraging young people to do, what we're encouraging young people to see. You know, we really need to model behavior. And I notice it with my two children 
who are two and four. You know, if, I'm, if I've got my head stuck in the phone, then that's what they want to do. So we need to model behavior. We need to show, we need to show our children what needs to be done and the best way to do things. Some really good advice as always, uh, Kieran. Um, that was, again, it was a, that was Michael Waring. So you, we will link to all his media uh, in the show notes. And at some point, hopefully he, he publishes his book, which I think would all be great to read. But that was Michael. And this has been Let's Listen with Kieran McBreen. Kieran, I'll see you next time, okay? Thank you, Andrew. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye.